yourself as the curtain rises, the performance is ready, and the or crowd is gripping the edge of their prover proverbial seats. This is the Casual Master Quest, the only podcast that can give you a taste of each side of North America. How's that? Everybody's how's everybody going hey how's everyone going i'm going let me tell oh you my gosh. like I, i'm starting i'm like i'm so nervous this is this is the curtain rising this is us performing we are showing the world what we got my name is tyler vedito over in the corner that you just heard was cam how you doing cam great how about you oh i'm doing fantastic my heart is beating like at a hundred thousand miles per hour which wouldn't make sense over to my second host over here mr nick how you doing sir i'm really good thanks how's it going for everybody here I don't uh, know. it's gonna take me a while to figure out what to say it's okay i was just uh, uh throwing some heat over at you because you know miles per hour versus kilometers because you know the, the the fancy canadian i was gonna say currency but uh you're just upset that the canadian system is better than the american system i am better that i cannot speak in meters and kilometers and millimeters i know we still do millimeters it's never too late to learn tyler do we? I don't science. But. I'm gonna say, can we convert? Can we convert? Oh man, that would be. Don't a... ask me, man. Cam, you're uh, the scienciest one over here. You should uh, know. I draw lines. I look at rocks. Don't don't even put that on me, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yes, yeah, so I'm Tyler. We got Nick over here from Sweet Old California. I'm from Michigan, and Cam, you said you were over on the East Coast. Where at? I am at Rhode Island. Oh man, the, the smallest state. Go through four towns state. to get groceries. Nice, nice. <laughs> Uh man, like uh I was over at Delaware and I know you know it's kind of close. Uh I was really impressed with how big the city was, except it wasn't that big for the capital. And you know, a half hour later I'm out of the whole freaking state. And it's like is isn't Rhode Rhode Island known as the drive-by state? Uh I don't know if it's necessarily the drive-by state, but what I can tell you is to go from one end to the other, it takes I think 40 minutes max. Wow. Uh, it's everybody's 10 minutes from the capital pretty much. And the capital in itself is probably the like in terms of size, what a town would be elsewhere. So yeah. what is the capital of Rhode Island? It's Providence. Providence. Nice. Yes. Do, you, do you have any, any idea how big Providence is? Ooh, in terms of population, that is something I should definitely know. I know that I believe our entire state only has a million people in it. A million so, people? Yeah, total. That's still a lot, dude. Like, yeah. I was going to ask, I was like, I wonder if it's bigger than, you know, the city I live in, Bay City. It has a population of 32,000? Population yep, I, of Rhode Island, uh, sorry, of Providence is 179,219. There you Ooh, go. As of 2016. It, wow. That, I mean, Rhode Island must be packed then. It is very dense when you get around that area. Yeah. I was say the population, like, I was imagining trees and maybe a lot of freeways, but I guess it makes sense, you know, of, you have to be a state, so you got to have a lot of people in there. Right? <laughs> have so, yeah. A little bit over a million people, Rhode Island. Wow. Oh, geez. Well, uh, we are a video game podcast, aren't we? Yeah, yes, no, no. Actually, wait, hold on. Are, am I in the right place? I thought this was continental. I know, right? Where am I? Uh, I just you know stepped into this 4chan video voice log, and also I'm talking with you two chaps. Man, geez, it's nice in here. Fun Ooh. fact, Canada's population is lower than the entire state of California. Not really? surprising. Yes. I was say, no, no offense. Uh, do you do you count the wildlife? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, does that count the moose? That's including the bears and the meese. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say they're plural the meese. The finest of plural. Uh oh man, Cam, what have you been playing, man? All right, so I, I get really get around a lot, and I would say last week, so mm -hmm. last week it's May 4th, of course. You know, May 4th. You got May the 4th be with you, may the force be with you, all that good stuff. Big lifting holiday, big deadlifting holiday. Everybody knows about it, right? 
But yes. I played a lot of Star Wars games. A lot of stuff was on sale. So I bought up some stuff actually in a bundle for $7. I got Star Wars Rebellion, which is an old nice. strategy game from 98. And then mm-hmm. I also got Republic Commando, Galactic Battlegrounds, and I played some Empire War as well. So I played a lot of Star Wars. I uh, played a lot of Monster Hunter World, which I'm just cracking away at constantly, you know, 220 hours in or so. Um, wow. 220? I know it's Monster Hunter, but oh, yeah. holy crap. I'm really excited for it to come out on PC because then I'm going to be grinding that like there's no tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I apologize for the wait, honestly. No, if, uh, like, if it's going to be a better yeah, game beta or they, if they want to make sure that it works well, I have no problems with the wait. True, true. And yeah, we actually just got the localization announcement for Double Cross on Switch finally coming over to the U.S. from Japan. So that's really exciting nice. as well. Finally, a good big break. Uh, so many games that, you know, hang out in Japan that we hear about and we love and enjoy and we hear so much about never makes it to America. Yeah, and that's the kind of niche that I exist in, in terms of like gaming and sort of that. I trend towards JRPGs and that sort of thing. So I'm always mm-hmm. looking. I'm always waiting. I got all the Twitters of the localization companies. I'm already waiting on the publishers to just bring the good stuff over because I got to get it injected right in my veins. <laughs> and we yeah, exactly for me in particular, uh, the biggest thing was uh, Super Smash Brothers Melee because there are so many cool characters I love playing on the GameCube. But then I'm like, hey, uh, you know, I, I like playing as Link, so I play Zelda games. How do I get Marth? Oh, I don't. I'm not permitted to because it's dying in English. You know, Ness. I didn't know where Ness came from, so you know, learned all about Earthbound and Mother and all that. And you know, as it turns out, I wasn't able to ever play it until recently. You know, I got to play the cool translated version. And then I found out I hated Earthbound with a passion. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. Hot take. I hate Earthbound. It's a terrible game. Don't do that to yourself. You want to qualify that? Let's let's hear the uh, let's hear the explanations. Get some good deets going on. Oh, boy. You know, I dedicated a whole hour, hour and a half in Arcadia Academia for PSVG. But you know what? Uh, The battle or some battle system on that is very simplified, but also convoluted in such a way that I just found it tedious. It was the same thing over and over. Uh, I feel like uh, the spells with it were cool, especially, you know, uh, the size spells or the PSI, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I was a real big fan of uh, PSI rocking, but uh, I don't know why the just the whole battle system didn't click with me. And also, I did not like the the way how you use the uh, the menu, the menu mechanics, like pushing the right buttons uh, and selecting the right item to use for this very specific situation was kind of frustrating at times because it feels like uh, there was no like hey you should use this here or you know i just got to make sure i'm at the right place and moment to use an item uh the storyline i thought was cute and funny because it it was trying to use you know the the quirky i don't know how how would you describe earthbound in terms of story and plot development i i think quirky is actually a good way to describe it i think the it way weird yeah, the way I think about it in terms of Earthbound, it's one of those games where if we look at it nowadays for the first time, if you play it for the first time now, there's a lot to be desired, mostly mm-hmm. because it has more of a historical impact and cultural impact back when it came out of being something unique and something very interesting for the genre. Uh, right. because a lot of the JRPGs we were getting over here were the kind of cut and dry standard fare of let's do the Final Fantasy, let's do the fantasy settings and that sort of thing. So it was really unique and really actually a breath of fresh air to get something like Earthbound. But I can understand now coming at it. If I came at it today for the first time, I could definitely say like, yeah, you know, it was it was OK. You know, it was a good time, but it wasn't anything groundbreaking. It wasn't anything extremely amazing or anything like that. If it was a 10 to 15 hour game, I would think it would be fantastic. Things are moving along. Great. Looks good. Has a funny story plot moments and all that stuff. A lot of uh, man, like 
the humor that they incorporate is almost like my own. And maybe I feel threatened, even though this <laughs> game was made before I was born, I believe. It, it was around that same time period. And I really liked Undertale. And obviously, Undertale was uh, a sort of homage to uh, the way Earthbound was built up. Very much so, yeah. yeah like, the more I think about it, you know, everybody compares Undertale to Earthbound, but no one really played Earthbound as much as, you know, or, you know, Undertale went crazy in sales. Earthbound, you know, has a cult hit for it. Yep. But I mean, the inspiration is there, even to the point of one of the most famous tracks from Undertale is adapted from, you know, the soundtrack of the mother games. So mm. we have we have a lot of situations like that. And that's honestly something we see a lot nowadays, both in the video game world and in other worlds where, you know, the new reboot product will come out and we don't see the adherence to the original in a lot of cases. 30 hours, though, that's how long that game takes to be on a good night. And I don't want to spend 15 hours grinding and doing uh you know grinding bosses or not bosses but you know super difficult monsters and pray the god that the sword you know Pooh's legendary or super duper sword drops from this particular martian it was infuriating it's like i have a what percent chance to have that drop now as someone that plays monster hunter world <laughs> I, you you know the grind you know you know if this monster dies there's a percent chance i'll get this cool loot and that's oh, yeah. great but I don't know why I, I like that in some games. I did not like that in Earthbound. You know, that, I think I think uh, actually Nick could say a lot about it, too, because I know I've heard a lot about the grind and things like Destiny 2 as well, where, yeah, yeah you just have to it, it's whether you're in the mindset or not. There are definitely some I, I totally understand. I'll put it this way. Grinding is not the best thing. It's not something that's optimal. It's not something that's like in and itself enjoyable even, but you kind of put up with it. In some cases you don't consider it. So I know having been brainwashed by Pokemon at a very young age, I got into grinding as a sort of just, you know, I'd do something else. I'd grind on the side and not really pay attention. You sort of zone out and that makes it not so bad. But if you don't right, have that instinct, yeah, yeah. But if you don't have that instinct developed, it becomes very difficult to play those games. I have that developed. I play RuneScape for, you know, that oh, is like well Grindmaster 2000. <laughs> so the idea that I did not enjoy the fact that I had the grind, you know, in Earthbound, it was just something about it. It just did not click with me the right way. When I say it's a terrible game, I over exaggerate and I like to ruffle people's feathers, particular people I know, but it is my true and honest you know, opinion that I did not like Earthbound and I feel like it was for reasons I believe other people could share. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have anything to say on this, Nick, in terms of like the grind and that sort of thing? Because like I said, I bet there's I've heard at least there's a very big grind in Destiny 2, especially in I've actually heard the new expansion. You have to you have to think of grinding as like having a crappy job. <laughs> and then what makes Fair it enough. worth it is uh, the paycheck at the end. I was going to say, you mean a job? <laughs> one Pretty or much. two jobs, whatever works for people. But no. So like in Destiny specifically, um, what happened with, uh, okay, with Destiny 2, what happened with the base game was that they were appealing to uh, the casual player, mm -hmm. um, which would be fine if it was a single player game, like, and you could run through the story in a couple of hours. Um, it doesn't work for an, MM, an MMO style RPG where you want people to continue playing and you want people to, to have a reason to play. So when everybody can get uh, the same loot with such low drop rates and from doing activities that you don't even need to be good at or you don't, you're not made to feel special, it just kills the game and that's what happened. And so before this expand expansion, they changed some of the uh, mission rewards. Uh, there's a weekly mission that's super hard and 
they made it so that some people did it 50 60 times a week and didn't even get it and that's wow. been great because it gives you a reason to play the game again right uh because you're grinding for that specific weapon that can only come from that so if you're not good enough or if you don't put in enough time you can't get it and not good enough you mean not lucky enough i hope not lucky but... enough not good enough in the sense that you I mean, don't want to you got to do the thing in order to get the chance for it so you know you do have to be good enough you're right um yeah and also expanding on the not good enough what i mean is with the new dlc uh they implemented finally implemented a rank system for uh pvp so mm. um you have to get to a certain rank to get a certain weapon that's really really good so you mm. have to be good enough there and my feeling is that they've been afraid to do that since the start of uh, launch of destiny 2 just because they didn't want to drive anybody away but the fact that you can have exclusive weapons and exclusive rewards is is what gives people a reason to get better and to play more and to go from casual to casual hardcore players or hardcore players. Mm-hmm. So the grind is important but it depends on how it's implemented. Yeah, there's been this uh, big conversation recently especially just in the worlds of video games as well where we've noticed on and on and on again that whenever a game that has drawn in a fan base casualizes itself to appeal to a more casual crowd, you generally will find that core fan base betrayed almost they'll feel betrayed they'll feel scorned because no no wouldn't that be crazy and you made it casual it's disgusting <laughs> and it's this thing where you see it over and over again with a bunch of different companies and a bunch of different games where this casualization of the market appeals to a broader market but that core that you can always rely on starts to become disillusioned and oh, so man. it's definitely marketing in terms of a balance between what you want to have in a game that will appear to the core crowd but also to appeal to a new casual crowd who will want to get hardcore because that's the end goal i think that you want to strive for totally there's always like for example world of warcraft they uh they have a lot of talent uh and specialization that people can focus into originally anyways where you could just do anything a hundred different ways and it would take hours and talking with uh pro people and looking up guides you know what talent do i want for this specific moment however they realize that you know the they want to keep the people that are playing and some people just don't understand and it was difficult for them they felt deterred so they decided to you know dumb it down and put it down to a simple hey one of these three things you can either do this this or this and people are like oh i like this this makes me happy this is simple but of course the people are like oh man what about my plus 4% to my backstab ability now i got to do it like in this and it, it kind of does it but it's not the same you kind of generalized it and people are just you know they'll send 500 word complaints on the forums and obviously a lot of big time companies they they could give two craps but if you know the backlash is strong enough it comes down to people voting with their dollars and they're like no you, you made it too simplified and they're not interested in it but what else uh how much time do you think you've put into destiny 2 so far nick um not as much as destiny 1 i can tell you that for sure mostly <laughs> because um my friends have stopped playing So oh. yeah it hasn't given me much of a reason to go back uh but with this new DLC it um I'm I'm excited more than my friends um to for there's so many people there's a ton of people even popular PVP streamers who've sworn off Destiny 2 they're wow. so hopeful for Destiny 2 to get better again because that's where they got their start that's where it was exciting um it, there was such a big power fantasy and insane amount of things that you could do and insane amount of plays that you could make in Destiny 1. Yeah. And that was that all went away in Destiny 2 for whatever reason. Um but I mean I think I might have even... put in about 200 hours in Destiny 2 so far, so it's really not that much. 
didn't they uh fly in a bunch of like top dog streamers to destiny 2 and then just sat them down in a big old circle and say what can you do to make this better yes they uh, did so um in terms of um uh, a, a development cycle it might yeah. have already been too late to make major changes for um these last two dlcs uh curse of osiris that launched in december and uh, warmind that launched last week okay. um and so and they're still under nda so they can't really say much yet but they said mm. look forward to the september dlc right. and so the that's gonna breaker. be the big dlc and that's gonna make or break the future of destiny 2 in my opinion Oh, my man. pleb casual opinion. Your pleb casual. Oh, come <laughs> on. See yourself in a higher field. You, you play Destiny 2 a lot more than I have. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I played a whole zero hours. Hey, I mean, I, put in, I, I didn't put in too much. Like, okay, and compared to other people, I only put in about 1,100 hours in Destiny 1. Yep. And I remember when it was, I, I remember those nights where we'd spend, it was one Saturday and me and my uh, group woke up at, let's say casually about 10 in the morning. We, we had breakfast, hopped on, played till about 2 or 3, hopped off for lunch, came back on at about 5 and played till 3 a.m. Wow. Those, I mean, those days are not, you know, there anymore. Right, right. I've actually seen a big trend recently, and you can confirm or deny this, but I've heard that a lot of the times when people are leaving Destiny 2, I'm hearing that they're heading over to Warframe, actually. Really? Warframe? Yeah. I've wow, seen that like, was unexpected. Yeah, well, I could see it in terms of at least an aesthetic look in terms of the the design style in a way. It does look somewhat similar. You can kind of see that connection there, that that sci-fi sort of style. But yeah, a lot of people, that. you know, considering Warframe is a free-to-play game, and in my opinion, a very good example of one that puts, you know, content first and puts the community first rather than, you know, does some sort of microtransaction, mainly money-making scheme. But a lot of people I've seen have been jumping ship to Warframe uh, from Destiny 2. And the, the transition between the two is almost you could look at the line going. So it's really definitely important for them at this point to put out something that can bring people back to Destiny because they're they're in a tough spot. This right. is true. There are a lot of people who are hopeful because Warframe gives you that that grind. It gives you replayability. It keeps you coming back. Um, one of the few things, apart from the weapon system in D2, um, was random rolls from weapons that they removed from D1, right? So all weapons drop with the same roll, like, you know, perks and stats and whatever. Um, mm. And so once, once you get it, that's it. You're never going to do that mission again, or you're never going to do that activity again to get it. Whereas in D1, you could get six of the same weapon, but none of them are good enough because they're not a god roll, be it for PvE or PvP. Right. Like perks such as getting with a sniper, getting critical shots, three in a row will reload your entire magazine for you. So you don't have to stop and reload. So oh. your DPS will be optimal. Ah, optimization. I know something about that from Monster Hunter. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Nick, what else have you been playing, man? Um, so it seems like I might be the main shooter guy of the group here. You so got apart it. from Destiny 2, it's Overwatch and Fortnite specifically on the PC. And then Ultra Moon on my DS, and then I just picked up Pokemon Go again. Actually, just yesterday. Really? Yeah. Oh man. Uh, what what caused you to make the jump to go back into it? Um, me and my roommate went out for beers and tacos, and there was a park nearby, and he's like, "Let's go for a walk." I'm like, "Sure, okay." And then I happened to have Pokemon Go on my phone because I never deleted it, and so I just opened it up again, and there was a bunch of things to do, and I was like, "Okay, this seems." Grindy, so they've even a mobile game understands grind better than Bungie does for Destiny. Too. <laughs> oh, the man. virus, the virus of Pokemon Go comes back once again. It's I mean, numbers going up makes you feel good, and there's different ways of making those numbers go up, and different you know ways to implement a system. So 
for me, I love Pokemon Go because I like seeing numbers go up. You know, give give a sucker a few candy, and all of a sudden it mm. you know jumps up forty CP. I was like, yeah, okay, sure. I love Pokemon Go because I have no choice but to love Pokemon Go. <laughs> like I said earlier, I am absolutely brainwashed by Pokemon. I don't have a choice in the matter. Uh, we even joke amongst my friends. I kind of swore away from mobile games because, you know, I, I do more with core games, consoles, PC, that sort of thing. But Pokemon Go is the exception. Any rules I have for any other mobile game go out the window. Do not apply here. Do not apply Pokemon. Have so, you guys uh, gotten so, Gladius yet? Yes, I have every legendary. So almost. Ah. No, I was I'm playing like level with... seven. So okay, so you you might not get that, Ladius. Uh, yeah. Ladius just switched out. Uh, I think on the eighth of this month with uh, Ladius. So yep. that is the new big level five raid to look forward to. I haven't gotten it yet, but I'm pretty sure I will. I have gotten a few Ladioses already. So oh man, I... well, that lens very small. So we have a very very organized raid. Oh team. no, <laughs> I, I, I got a. Basically, Discord too. I was talking about this on PSVG. There is one point where it's like, "Am I really going to get into this?" But then I met a dedicated people about eight or nine cars, and we would just drive around the city to all these five star raids that we'd all locate and time up. And where we start at, you know, five forty five. That's the start time, and then you know, twenty people would just obliterate this raid, and then you know, I get a chance to catch legendary Pokemon and just a weird sensation of having a convoy doing Pokemon Go. Oh yeah. it was definitely early on, I think, you know, especially when the raids first came out, one of the best multiplayer experiences I've had in a game of any kind. You know, I was meeting up with people, you know, in person. We were going out to get food and stuff where just people would jump into my car. We were going to raids. It was a great time for those, you know, for the first three weeks of the game. And then again, when raids came out, that was like some of the best times I've had in a multiplayer game. I was really hesitant about the idea of doing raids. It's like, there's no way I'm going to convince, you know, four or five of my friends to come do this. But it's like, I don't need friends. <laughs> i got people as desolate and desperate as me to find alternative forms to meet up like we don't even talk to each other we you know we might wave each other when we first meet but we just hide in our cars and that's fine with me i don't i'm an introvert i'm not gonna lie i'm a very talkative introvert but i don't want to sit out there you know huddle up with 15 other people saying hey did you catch that latios yeah i did oh i did yeah you know, i don't care <laughs> what they caught just, just murder with me just murder the pokemon with me let me catch yep yep <laughs> I mean, uh, I will so say Pokemon this about uh, Pokemon Go. Um, yeah. Say what you will about um, like mobile phones and technology and what it's doing to people. That's one conversation I feel. But what the what the future of gaming I feel is moving towards to, especially with the rise of VR and AR, uh, or at least the focus being placed on them. Um, we're we're looking at a renewed sort of social presence for video games. Not that there never was, because vanilla uh, WoW and other like uh, MMOs and you know uh, MOBAs like Dota and LOL. There is there is a need for like social interaction, but this mm. is changing things to like a whole new level in terms of augmented reality games, right. um, because they've been uh, live showcasing. Uh, I think it was last E3 that they showcased a AR game that seemed pretty sick, like a Warzone kind of thing. Um, I can't remember what it is, or I can't remember if it was E3, but that's what we're moving towards. Uh, we're moving towards, uh, eventually we're going to get to a point where I feel athletes and gamers are going to need to morph into one person, especially with the rise of VR and what that could uh, lead to. Like, you, you're going to need to be a fit gamer for the kind of VR games that could possibly come out. Oh, boy. Don't I'm all set. <laughs> I'm down. Oh, Let's man. do it. <laughs> I'm um, up but- over here. For me personally, Pokemon Go, I don't care about the Pokemon because like, I care about catching, the Pokemon. No, in the sense, in the sense that I don't care about whether I have them all because I have them all on my DS. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Right. You you're currently working on your uh, living Pokedex, aren't you? Yeah, I'm like three away. 
right? Nice. So, oh, wow. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So it's just like a fun like thing to do with other people while being on your phones rather than just sitting at a restaurant or like everybody's texting and not doing anything here. You can be like, Oh, we can walk around with this app open on our phone and then sort of do things together and talk about things. Me and my roommate, he was asking me questions about uh, the Pokemon games and Pokemon anime and the Pokemon lore. All I know about is the game. So my knowledge of the lore and the anime is very limited, but I was able to at least answer some questions. So that made me feel good. Yeah. Let me loom over you. If you ever need help on that part. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, I myself, I decided to play a little bit of a game called Beyond Two Souls, which is currently out with PlayStation Plus. Uh, Cam, you played it a little bit as well? Yes, I've also played it in the past before. So Okay, uh, this was my first time playing. I've heard so much about it. <laughs> uh, did about half hour, 45 minutes, and then I decided I'm not going to touch that game. Yep. So, so let me let me say a few things first about that game. So this is yeah, coming sure. from Quantic Dream, which is the same studio that worked on Heavy Rain. The which same I played studio, great game. Right. They're putting out Detroit Become Human on the 25th as well. Yeah. So hmm. This is the brainchild of a guy named David Cage. I'm yep. really excited for uh, uh, Become Human, by the way. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's really sick. So what I could say overall is David Cage likes to make his games. He has some aspects that kind of pop up every time he makes a game. And they're always very interesting, I would say. One in particular, I remember this great story I like to recount is when he was making Beyond Two Souls. So the actor in Beyond Two Souls for the girl, Jody, is Alan Page. Mm-hmm. And he was writing the script, I believe, for a year and a half and had assembled a photo book of Ellen Page from when she was six to when she was, you know, the age she was then. Just a bunch of photos of her. And it was kind of a little bizarre. And, you know, he had her set as the character before he actually went and ever talked to her about being the character. So David Cage is a guy. He's a guy. That, that is. He's a character. I, I was going to say creepy, but yes, a character. Wow. <laughs> a that is not information that I knew. Wow. <laughs> so his games are always very bizarre because very often they always go to this far flung sort of bizarre ending that you kind of don't see coming. It's almost like he's incapable of not putting supernatural aspects in a game every once in a while. <laughs> so I can't wait for Detroit Become Human because I actually think it's going to be one of the most entertaining games to play. Just knowing like the train ride you're on, the train ride you're going to be on and what weird destination it might end at. That that is a very fair point, man. Uh, a lot of people give Heavy Rain a lot of flack, but I don't know why. I really enjoyed that because I love the idea that I, you know, minimal interaction. I guess in terms of you know, you walk around and whatnot, but a lot of the things are decided almost. I mean, this was technically before Telltale became a huge thing, where you know, button responses. You know, you choose this and how they respond to that, and action with uh, you know, reaction prompts on it. You know, triangles and all that crap. That was a terrible way of describing that. Anyway, <laughs> triangles and all that crap. I mean, triangles and all of that crap. I mean, I mean, there is a triangle, so you're not wrong. Yeah, that yeah. is that is true. <laughs> Some reason I was thinking of uh, reaction command from Kingdom Hearts two specifically. But, uh, you know, that's a whole different train ride. But I also like uh, the style that say uh, until dawn went through. It's almost a similar aspect. You know, your opinion, your statement will cause an influence on the game. And to some extent, Heavy Rain did that. There was multiple endings that, you know, you, you influenced. I'm not sure how far Beyond Two Souls does that. And I'm really hoping that, uh, you know, th- there's going to be multiple endings for Detroit Become Human. It's almost certain, I guess you could say. Yeah, I would say so. It's definitely certain just based on the games they've made before and that they've all had that sort of thing going on. So, But it also leads to some concern that uh, if they make too many endings, then how well can the story remain tightly knit? Because if you focus too much on what if situations that have to have, you know, full given powered endings to, I mean, 
I think hot take over here, but it won't. That's, yeah. that's I think the answer it won't because okay, I fair feel heavy rain is the most grounded of the games that he's ever made. And you'll see that as you get further and beyond two souls. It's also Indigo Prophecy, which is another one he had worked on. And mm. it's the most grounded of them. And even the most grounded of them gets flack and is known for being a little bit out there. So when you get to the other projects, you really need when you have David Cage working on something, you need somebody to kind of ground him and bring him down. And so we're, when, it, when it comes to Detroit Become Human, I'm, my opinion right now is that it probably won't be a tight it story it's probably going to be an entertaining time but i do feel it's going to go to some far-flung weird ending and it's going to be a lot of bizarre stuff going on that you can't really make sense of and yeah, either way i'm going to be buying it enjoying it and actually potentially enjoying it on youtube so that might yeah, be a thing going on so not not a bad decision yep, uh, yep beyond two souls uh was part of the PlayStation Plus. However, there was a humble bundle that offered a lot of Sega and Capcom games. So I decided to, you know, jump into that. 15 bucks got me Valkyria Chronicles remastered for the PS4. Have either of you played or watched the anime for this game? I am yeah. as well versed as you can be on Valkyria Chronicles without actually having played the games. Really? Wow. So I know a lot about the like the lore of the universe, that the games, their releases on PSP and you know in other countries and stuff, but I haven't actually gotten around to it because I didn't have or I had a PS3, but I didn't play that sort of game during the period when it came out. So I totally missed that one and eventually we'll get back to it. It's an amazing style and take of an RPG strategy, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Because I haven't played so much Fire Emblem nowadays. Everything is turn-based and whatnot to me that, you know, you attack, you're, you do your action when you're done. Now it's the enemy's turn. But Valkyria Chronicles offers a uh, almost like a transition of responses because you can move your character around, you know, a scout with a gun. But if you move within an enemy's range, they can just unload on you mm -hmm. until you're ready to, you know, to officially start your action of shooting them. In which case, they can respond to you. They can, you know, so there's so much stuff that you got to consider whether or not you want to move into something's range because it can be lethal for you, even if it's your turn and you're supposed to have the advantage. And, you know, another, I guess, in hindsight, I see that as a Dungeons and Dragons thing where if you move towards or away from an enemy, you can either trigger a reaction or a uh, opportunity attack. And it's natural in real life that they would do something like that too in warfare, but we don't see that in a what's supposed to be a turn-based strategy. Mm. And of course, you know, the anime storyline was freaking fantastic. Oh my gosh. If you don't ever plan on playing the game, the anime is wonderful. Valkyria Chronicles, people do it. Jump on there it. Go. Yeah, definitely get on that series too, because there's uh, there's more on the horizon coming. I actually believe one just recently released in Japan as well. I do believe the fourth one is in the works if it's not out already. So yes. So and that that's really interesting. And the other thing cool about Valkyria Chronicles well, there's two things here. The one thing it utilizes a really interesting sort of cell shading in the mm -hmm. graphical style. And the cool thing about cell shading, this applies to Wind Waker and that sort of thing as well, is when you go for realistic graphics, eventually you'll go far down the line and be look back and be that looks horrible, right? Mm -hmm. You'll mm -hmm. look back and be like, oh, what were they doing going for realism? But cell shading graphics actually last a lot longer for a lot of people they'll feel that they hold up visually longer when you go for that sort of style so there's that there and there's also the cool conversation regarding that like you said the turn-based rpg kind of thing where you know we had our original turn-based rpgs but so many different games now are spinning off the traditional jrpg style of turn-based because they found that that's the basic almost but you can add so much flavor to it in a bunch of different ways and how movement works and how battle works and how even targeting works in terms of area of effect attacks in games like Trails of Cold Steel and things like that. So the genre itself is advancing, but it's still kind of 
a relic of the past. And I actually, I'm a big JRPG fan, but I do know a lot of people who have so much trouble playing them just because of the turn-based style. So right. I'd definitely like to hear what you guys think about how turn-based games are doing right now, especially from Nick, because I know you play a lot of shooters. So I'd definitely like your opinion on turn-based stuff. Um, there's a game, uh, what's it called? The new South Park game. Yes. That's entirely turn-based as far as I remember. Yes, and I haven't actually played it, but I've watched a lot of gameplay of it. And that seems like an intuitive, fun take, modern take at least on the turn-based, or at least not like a revision. They didn't try to reinvent anything, but the way it seemed like the way they did it, they made it fun rather than seem tedious. Um, I remember trying out a few um, older ones ages ago, and it just didn't click with me. Yeah, I think uh, that was stick. the first one, Stick of Truth, which I believe was a 2013 release. I could be a little bit wrong on that. Sounds but, about right. Yeah, they uh, actually used the similar style that Paper Mario did, where you'd have turn-based attacks, but you'd have actions within those attacks to power them up, sort of. And yeah. that's just one way to advance that turn-based style of combat. But everybody loves Stick of Truth for it. A lot of people felt like it was the Paper Mario game that they had lost because it changed styles. Uh, so, yeah, you can go that way. Yeah, sure. People have gone that way. But the second one then actually implemented a grid system. And people have differing opinions on that one. What it was tough for when I played the second one, I've only played it very briefly, which was Fractured Butthole, which came out, I believe, last year. And <laughs> it was really interesting because around the time my friends and I were playing Persona 5 and we were playing Breath of the Wild and we had all these you know, top tier games coming out that we were playing. And so when we got to something that was like Fractured Butthole, not saying it's a poor game or anything, but we had been playing so many bangers that we couldn't sit down and, and we had a lot of trouble actually getting through fracture but whole we kind of were like oh, are we having fun right now it's it's kind of a right. step back from what we've been doing you, you had these beautiful shining titles and also it's like it's not that fractured but whole is a bad game no but no. it's just it's like uh, above average but not excellent and you've been hitting excellent perfects during that time frame it's like you you want to keep tasting the pie you want great games still like that happened with me with our uh, horizon zero dawn I wanted to play Horizon Zero Dawn, and you know, I was playing Yakuza Zero. I got maybe a couple hours in Horizon, but then Zelda happened. You know, mm -hmm. four, five days later or whatever, and all of a sudden it's like I didn't touch the game for months. It wasn't really because that uh, you know it was I was a bad game, but then you're a big you know Zelda Breath of the Wild, right? And so I was you know my eyes were frying with the beauty of Breath of the Wild for almost five six months, and then eventually it's like I need to put this I need to put this game down. I got other games I need to play, and it's like I've collected 120 shrines. I've done everything that I thought I could do and be happy with it. And then you know I picked up other games. And I'm like, oh man, Yakuza Zero. I mean, it's a great game, but it's it's, it's not Zelda. Zelda. Yeah, it's not Zelda. And then you know Nier Automata. Actually, I I still hate Nier Automata with a passion. Another hot take. Oh man. Yeah, we're gonna have to fight at some point over that, but we can it's do okay. that time. It's yeah. okay. It's one of those I games I really want to play. I think it's a fantastic game for anybody that can enjoy it, but it's not Zelda. So yeah, I'll go with that one. But, <laughs> so uh, you guys will find out soon enough. Um, my experience with games is fairly limited. So a lot of these titles I have vague knowledge about, but it's all going over my head a little bit. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'll, like be, I'll be throwing in the, the yeah, I'll be throwing, uh, throwing in the uh, parent uh, opinion because I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's really cool there for you, bud. Yeah, okay, cool. You enjoy that. <laughs> 
Um, I actually think that space is pretty important, though, because it's so often actually on this type of podcast that we have, you know, three or four people who are specifically into old games. And there's a lot of times we'll get very negative. So you'll have people only into old games and say, oh, new games are bad. Or you'll have people only into one genre and say, oh, other genres are bad. So it's good to have the perspective of somebody who plays, you know, the Fortnites, the Destiny 2s, the Overwatches to kind of Ooh. bring us back out of the mindset and help us out there, I think. Fair enough. Fair enough. We are uh, dragging a little bit long on this, uh, wrapping it up. Blossom Tales and god of war blossom tales is a great uh link to the past clone for the switch and if you ever have a switch and you feel like you need some uh super nintendo style action since we're not going to get virtual console but we'll talk about that later true true uh, blossom tales is where it goes god of war i've talked so much about it we could go into it but honestly i feel like we'd need a second episode so god of war it's great i'm on the hardest presumably the hardest boss i can find in the entire game and it is kicking my butt. I uh, I thought the uh, the uh, Valkyries were going to give me trouble. It took me a while to beat those two, but I am fighting like the hardest thing I could possibly think of in God of War. And I'm on normal. I really thought I wouldn't have this much trouble because difficulty like seems below average for me, but will spike incredibly at the wrong moment, especially after I beat the game. So got that going on. Let's wrap up what we've been talking about. Let's get towards uh, the news of the week. Are you guys ready for this? Oh, I'm always ready for news. Let's do it. Get hyped. Get hyped. We have so much news and so little time. Let us beat around the bush very lately. So, Cam, tell me about uh, what's going on here. So E3 is coming up. We got the schedule going on now. Oh, yeah, finally, actually. Sony finally announced that when their showcase was going to be just a couple days ago, and we had everybody else up until that point, but it looks like this year we're actually going to have seven conferences, and Square Enix is back on the stage for the first time since 2015. So that's looking to be very interesting. E3 is always the best time of the year, in my opinion. I think it's, you know, it's all holidays packed into one. The most wonderful time to be gaming. And, you know, 2015, that's a long time for any big development company. Yeah, and it's definitely the case where a lot of the times we'll see these like some, it's hard to what you kind of call them, like the the Activision Blizzards, the Square Enix, they're the publishers slash developers sometimes where they'll come every once in a while with a show when they feel like they have enough material for it. And this year, Square Enix definitely has enough material for it. So that's looking to be an exciting little twist. Uh, So far, we've had confirmation from Sony, at least they're not going to show any new hardware. So it's likely PS5 is coming out you know, further down the line, we might see that next year or in 2020 or something like that. But it looks like we're not going to have hardware this year, which I'm a big hardware guy, so that kind of hurts. But yeah. Sony's focusing on the big four games they have coming out, and everybody else is bringing their funk. Nintendo's in a position where they could potentially just, you know, throw on all those stones of the gauntlet and just rock the world. So, oh boy, we're going to do this, huh? Just, yeah, we're going to do this. Sony's I'm like, sorry in advance. Feel so but... good anymore, Microsoft. <laughs> It just oh yeah no more like microsoft to be the one fading out fair yeah enough. oh gosh oh, wow okay okay <laughs> uh when you're talking about 2015 you uh you're referring to uh square enix yes i am now i'd like to point out that the reason why it's the, the last time they talked in 2015 that's when they were talking about near automatata or yes it was Automata. Automata. <laughs> they had to go dark out of shame i'm sorry camp but the facts <laughs> are facts you can't say that about Platinum Games. You can't do that. Look, Platinum has a lot of wonderful games. All of them. Nier Automata is like the redheaded stepchild that probably should stay in the basement for a few more years. I'm sorry. But <laughs> well, Square Enix can talk. All I can say is that it saved the company. It was so successful. It saved Platinum Games, and they gave credit specifically to Square Enix for doing that, saying, hey, you know what? This partnership was the best thing that could have happened after the cancellation of Scalebound, which was I was going to say 
probably about the same level of enjoyment I would have gotten out of it as a canceled game right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, uh, what's it called? Nier Automata ended up selling two million, which is well, well above what they expected. Oh, yeah. And it, it saved it saved platinum as, as what they said basically. Camilla over at Platinum said it so much in an interview that you know he really credits that game with helping them out of a rut. I mean, Nier was such a cult classic, especially over here on our side, ever since you know it started on the PlayStation 2, but you know, a lot of people, you know, myself included, I've never heard about this game before, you know, the, the series in general. So when I played this game, it came with a fresh mind and just what I saw was just mind boggling and awesome. But have you guys ever played the, the PS2 games? Oh, you're talking about the Dragon Guard series. Uh, is that what, what it's called? Yeah. So it's really bizarre how the whole continuity works because oh, you have near on near Gestalt, which is on PS3. But then on mm-hmm. PS2, they had the three Dragon Guard games, which were are connected in the same universe, but are a completely different story with a completely different like setting almost like there's a lot more fantasy going on there. Really? Yeah. So the Dragon Guard games are very, very difficult. Actually, the ending of Dragon Guard three is, I think, the hardest thing I've seen anybody attempt um, in terms of beating a video game. One of the hardest things that is just like required story to finish. That's not some crazy bonus challenge or anything like that. It's it's unfair. It's unrealistic, but yeah, the early PS2 games, uh, I haven't touched them, but I've been looking to pick them up. I do a lot of collecting, but I kind of put a rule on myself where I only buy things if I find them out in the field when I'm like at yard sales and such to kind of make it more of a hunt or more fun. If I find it on Amazon, that's not as entertaining. So I've been looking. I've been looking. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let's, let's get them down the list just a little bit. We'll tackle everything. Uh, Daniel De Matteo. Uh, how would he even pronounce that name? Daniel uh, De Matteo? Maybe Demetrio. It depends where he's from and what the uh, what the heritage is there. But that sounds Canadian. Nick, uh, resident Canadian expert, could you uh, give us a proper pronunciation? Daniel Demetrio. Oh man, he he got that right on the spot. Thanks, There's Canadian. not even a single forbidden "u" in there that only appears in Canadian words. Wow, you got that down. I'm proud I read, of you, some, I, I read somewhere, um, uh, or I saw a picture on the internet some time ago where somebody was changing their language settings and it went from UK English to American English. And in brackets, it said simplified. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, the Mario pieces out of GameStop as the CEO three months into his job. Hmm. Wow. Talk about a quick turn. Like I, uh, we, a lot of people know, and it's been, you know, well written on the wall and it makes sense. GameStop has uh, been sl- very slowly sloping downwards in terms of uh, making the finances meet because of the upward trends of, you know, virtually yeah, downloaded yeah. games. Yeah, It's just, it's a thing that people need to accept. People love to download their games now instead of buying it physically. And of course, that is the main dependence of GameStop in making their money. And so crisis is starting to hit. They decided to put Daniel, who was one of the co-founders, up to the plate. And then three months into, you know, being big a boss. No, I'm out. Peace. See you later. He, uh, he flat out quit. Uh, I'm not sure if there was just a meeting behind closed doors that happened where he just kind of threw down the towel and said, I'm out of here. And they just don't want to discuss it just yet because I couldn't find anything else about this besides, you know, the public announcement that he booked her. Yeah, I was looking into some of my friends would have connections. If there was an internal reason given, which there are in some cases, I could maybe get my hands on that. But I've been looking around. I don't have anything yet. Uh, But what I can say is that, you know, GameStop and most of the store retailers are in actually a rough spot. And especially GameStop, because that's their main venue. So, of course, you have the problem where Amazon offers 20% off, you know, pre-order games. 
with when you have Amazon Prime. So that's right. already, okay, I'm getting it for free shipping and I'm getting it for a cheaper price than I would if I went to a store and paid with tax in some cases if you're in a taxless internet state. Best Buy does a similar thing with the Best Buy Gamers Club mm-hmm. and you can also get 20% off. However, GameStop can't do that because they only sell games. So it becomes the most expensive option and you have that rise of digital purchasing and it becomes this, this you know terrifying spot for GameStop to the point where now if you walk in, if you jump back two, three years, you see a couple collectibles in a GameStop. But if you right. go into any GameStop now, half of the store is now collectibles, shirts, figures. They have to diversify. Wow, that is so true. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, they, I mean, they're um, losing everything. I collect uh, the Funko Pop figures. Mm-hmm. Oh, GameStop must love you. <laughs> um, they're called EB Games out here, actually. Uh, yeah, it's um, an electronic boutique. Yes. And um, yeah, I noticed about a year ago that they started uh, adding in more collectibles, more figures. Um, their uh, game sections have dramatically reduced and their bins for discounted games like buy two for 20 bucks or buy three for 10 has uh, increased. So they've been having bigger bins, lower sh- uh, smaller shelf space for games. So like yeah. Cam said, I think they're diversifying. Um, and even the article here says uh, they're acquiring uh, AT&T wireless stores to help uh, reduce its dependence on video games. So um, they have to adapt and quick. Otherwise, it's going to be bye-bye GameStop. Yeah, oh, yeah it's going to business one i think one of the things too they're also moving into trying to publish games like indie games i know i think it's game loft is the GameStop publisher so they've yeah. been publishing a few indie games to try and get that going on as well but there was this really funny thing where gamestop had there was a small period of time have you guys heard about game pass and that debacle yeah okay so there was this this interesting debacle and i had it actually get black bagged right in front of me which is a really good story but a while back <laughs> i think it was it was last maybe november last october gamestop had announced a program where it was a rental service kind of like a blockbuster where you could pay 60 dollars for six months and you could get unlimited rentals of any used game you can bring one back whenever you wanted and at the end you got to keep one of those used games so it was nice. practically it was a great deal you could you know switch things out every weekend every day if you wanted to and play any used game honestly it was too good of a deal because gamestop started the program and then the same day shut the program down people got in for like 10 hours and then they (laughs) shut it down (laughs) refunded people and they they, it was really funny actually because i had been on top of it because i was following the news i was calling gamestop saying when can i sign up talking to my manager friends and such and they told me to go in and while i was trying to sign up they were claiming they've never heard of it and it didn't exist and the ads for it was still out and I was like, it's right here. And they started, you know, taking things down. They were told to put it all in the back room that day. And so mm-hmm. they like, it got black bagged. You got like CIA black bagged right in front of me. And nice. so they shut down the program because it was too good of a deal because it was the holiday season. Too many people were going to take advantage of it. But GameStop to survive will have to do something like that because it's getting very tough, I think, for them. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, Tomb Raider Part 3 dev- article. Who's got this one covered? I took a big read of this one. Oh, boy. Good. Later All on right. So this is actually really fun. So what this one talks about is the developers over at, in this case, actually, for the Tomb Raider Part 3 reboot, uh, there's some switch ups. So this is Eidos Montreal now, because Eidos Montreal, Square Enix, and then one other company I'm forgetting have, have been working on Tomb Raider. And they've actually, for this third version, they switched off. So Eidos Montreal is the header. It, Crystal Dynamics. Sorry, Crystal Dynamics is them. They did Good the catch. first two. Yeah, primarily. And then the third one's actually going to be primarily Eidos Montreal. So this article was talking about, you know, these big triple A single player projects and what place they have in the gaming market. You know, these are a hundred million dollar plus projects. And that's such a gamble in this day and age where we see, 
the largest games and the trends, you know, trending towards things like MOBAs, things like Battle Royales. But one of the big contentious points of the article is that a lot of people are suggesting single player games are dying. And this has been a suggestion that has been very, very big for the last year and a half because we've seen, you know, the rise of Battle Royales and Fortnite and such. But I believe personally that that is a like bunch of hogwash, bunch of hogwash. Single player games are not dying. I'm willing to really go into that. But the article mainly was just talking about, you know, what it takes to make a big AAA game at this point, the amount of money they need to put in, the amount of marketing they put in, and it, that hit or miss that they can hit makes it a very, very risky maneuver, and that so games risky. might need to be changing. Yeah, because it talks about uh, the sequel to Deuce X. Yes, Mankind Divided. Um, how oh, it was great, uh, critically, or, or at least in general, but it failed to perform commercially, right? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Completely failed to play com- and, <laughs> commercial. And we're seeing this trend not only with single player games, we're seeing this trend in general. Like uh, the common belief is that arena shooters are dead now. So, you know, Titanfall 2, uh, Destiny 2, Halo 5, because the spotlight focus is on, um, you know, Battle Royale games, Fortnite, PUBG, H1Z1. Um, and the ones and, that are, I'm sure, are going to come out at E3. Like, we're going to go into E3 and get... It, no, this is going to be the six. year of the Battle Royale. Yeah, at least yeah. six Battle Royale. Oh, my gosh, the year I'm, of the Battle Royale. See, I'm not excited. As much as I love Fortnite, I'm not excited, and I'll tell you why. Because Battle uh, PUBG Battlegrounds won Game of the Year as an unfinished game. Well, who, who did it win Game of the Year, too? Because I was going to say, all the very important publications gave it to Zelda as they should have. I was going to say, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild was almost unanimously declared but when it came to pc gaming definitely people yeah. look up when you got PUBG, and it's like it's not even officially out guys wait that was the thing actually yeah the my, game my gripe is not that it won game of the year but it won game of the year as an unfinished game yeah it was incomplete like, technically like it should have gone to anybody else it could have gone to even if it didn't go to you know battlefront 2 of course it could yeah, have, honestly could have gone to battlefront 2 no no please aside the criticism uh, because it looked like a fun game to play, but then <laughs> the loot box crisis hit. Um, but anyways, that's then we're going to go into another full-fledged conversation oh, yeah. and drag everything on. But yeah, no, I don't believe. Um, I'm not too excited for the uh, amount of battle royals we're going to be getting, but there are a few ones that look fun, like um, Radical Heights, if anybody's seen any gameplay of that, where it's like a game show style, like 80s retro games, game show style battle royale, and it just looks crazy fun because it's super janky and poorly optimized, <laughs> yeah. but it's free. And it's not as buggy as PUBG was or still is. So Radical Heights is actually by Cliff Blazinski, who's the guy who did the God of War series. And uh, Cliffy B, old Cliffy B over there, has a nice pension for trying to jump on trains a little too late and trying to jump on big trends a little <laughs> too late. So he believes that Radical Heights will be the third pillar where you have your bat player known as Battlegrounds and you have your Fortnite. I can tell you it's most likely going to be the maybe 15th pillar because it's it's actually lost 80% of its player base within the first two weeks because it was announced and then came out I think four days after the announcement, it came out in early access because he had said it was a passion project. You know, it was a passion project for the studio. And this was coming on the heels of announcing they were shutting down everything like related to law. Five months, I believe. Uh-huh. They, mm-hmm. they said they've spent five months into it. And it's like he was like, there is gold in these mountains. And he's staring at like a giant <laughs> hole in the ground. It's like, sir, this has been all mine. Oh, we'll yeah. Find it. We'll introduce <laughs> bikes. 
Well, their last game was Lawbreakers. So, yeah, and you saw true. how that went, and that was trying to capitalize on um, what's it called? The, the was that even a game watch type game? Oh, oh yeah, about a TV show? Or are you talking I, about? No, I know you're talking no, about. Game. Lawbreakers uh, is was bad, not bad, but it just didn't do well. Didn't do to anything. Put it lightly, it's almost a triple A level game that had a high peak in the past few months of twenty simultaneously played players. Oh yeah, it was twenty people. It was like twenty good friends. They just. Throw together a huge land party and somebody developers, game. honestly. Like, this game's good, guys. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't get over it. Trying to but bring they it back shut to it life. down. They shut it down and then immediately turned on their heels. They said they couldn't support free to play on it. They didn't have the resources. Then immediately turned around and said, Passion Project, though, how about a battle royale? That's where we did in a few months <laughs> after we heard that PUBG did a good job. So Radical Heights is, as far as I'm concerned, already dead. But the thing going into E3 is that we're going to have the real big other Battle Royale competitors come out. So we're most likely going to get announcements that maybe Red Dead 2 has a Battle Royale. You know, Call of Duty and Battlefield will probably have Battle Royales. And we'll have these big name guys coming at it. And we'll see what space that fits into in regards to PUBG and Fortnite. But yeah, the the article itself was talking about how these experiences now are becoming the most popular thing. And the one thing I would say is that we do go through waves of generational trends where, you know, MOBAs were the best thing in the world for you know three to four years battle royales are not going to last forever they're likely a trend just like that as well no definitely not Very but true. they came into the spotlight at a time where social media that it's is at an oh, unprecedented yeah. peak right where connections and um just how you can enter and watch people on a virtual space oh, that's yeah. what's led to its um popularity um but i will make a prediction in terms of epic games do it um, come on Expect, them, expect something to do with, because they have full control and so much experience with their Unreal Engine, what they've been doing with Fortnite is they've been changing something daily. Like they've been adding or removing something daily as the season's gone on so far, right? Okay. And we're only two of the season. And so they have the they have a PvE version called Save the World, which is like a tower defense kind of thing. It which was the original Fortnite game, mind Which is the original Fortnite, <laughs> and it didn't do so great, but it wasn't terrible. It was just... Eh, it was like above average, slightly above average. Yeah. Yep, um, yep. But because they have this platform now or this base, expect them to do something different that's not a battle royale and expect them to make like maybe a full-fledged MMORPG or a full-fledged looter shooter. Um, that's what I think Epic Games is going to at least announce. Ooh, that's a call. That's if a not, one. or at least if not um, Fortnite on Switch. Man, <laughs> living dangerously over here. Jeez. Yeah, I like it. Let's get those dangerous predictions in. It's I like to make being... big assumptions without yeah. any knowledge. So. It sounds good. It's better than being milquetoast as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's better to make the crazy ones than the safe ones because when you're right, you can be a prophet. Yep, sure. We will turn to you. He's you heard it here first. May 13th, 2018, 3 p.m. PST. Happy Mother's Day to everybody out there. <laughs> also, Nick makes uh, the most glorifying prophecy. Uh, we are starting to get a little long in the tooth. I'm going to blast through these last couple of topics here. SNK announced the Neo Geo menu with 40 games. Have you guys played a Neo Geo before? I actually have a Neo Geo arcade cabinet sitting right behind me. I don't Holy even know what's on camera, but uh, if you ever seen maybe on old arcades in the 90s and such, or, or even early 2000s, yeah. you like the King of Fighters, Metal yeah, Slug, yeah. Metal Slug. You must have heard mm -hmm. of Metal Slug. Yeah, no, we didn't have arcades growing up. So. Oh, okay. Metal Slug is a big one of the games from SNK. SNK was a company during the 90s that actually made consoles back during the older generations. They competed with everybody else, not successfully, but they did. So uh, they are big on arcade cabinets. They're throwing out a mini arcade cabinet 
kind of like the Nintendo, the NES classic, kind of like the Super Nintendo classic. Yeah. And they're throwing it all on a little, little arcade screen with sticks, you know, with the stick controls and the buttons. And they're putting their biggest games all on it and stuff like that. So I wanted to throw that on there in terms of news and stuff, because here we have an old console manufacturer getting back into the game for a mini console to capitalize on what everybody's doing right now. We have the Genesis one announced recently. So there's um, gold in these hills. There's sir. gold in these hills. deeper. Hopefully they can keep up production. Yeah. <laughs> True. I, I wonder if uh, if they will fly off the shelves or if uh, Neo Probably Geo. Not. Do you think they can? Do you think they can clear shelves as quick as you know the the nested? Definitely not. I think. Okay, I was gonna say I, people. You started super hyped for this. Like maybe I don't know what I'm talking about here. Finally, a retro console that I could pick up. Right. Yeah. No, I'm excited for it because you know I have I have one of the real ones behind me, and yeah, I'm a big fan of older consoles and manufacturers and stuff like that. But in terms of mass appeal, you're gonna have probably tens of thousands of people buy this it's not going to be the four millions that we saw with the nes classic and things like that so oh okay. please i don't even think they made four million s uh, or nes minis you'd well they, they during the second production run they did surprisingly they actually threw out I mean, they, they made a lot but i don't think they made four million so get this actually they put out their sales numbers for the classic versions of their consoles along with the investor report where they put out how many switch sales they've had and i okay. believe it was the super nintendo classic sold 4.6 million that I could see 100%. Yeah. And I think the NES Classic was two point something. But yeah, it's two. not like I'm still sure people still want the dang thing, but <laughs> they won't make anymore. It's like, yeah. so they turn their, you know, Raspberry Pis and all that stuff, which is what I end up doing. I said, screw it. I got a Raspberry Pi and I yeah. made everything from scratch. Plenty of other ways to play NES games, honestly. So, but yes, NS SNK announced the Neo Geo. Uh, do we have any idea when it's coming out? There was not a date released yet. We actually, the games that were on it, the games list of things that are on it wasn't even released, but I did find some information on it in a reset era thread, which is kind of the the successor to uh, what's it called that went down very recently. Uh, man, I'm forgetting the name of it. It was the big leak site that everyone, NeoGAF, NeoGAF had the okay. big scandal and yeah. NeoGAF was kind of taken over by reset era. So all the developers, all the leakers throw stuff there now, but they apparently have a list only on that thread for where, what games are on the system. So it's, you know, very early stages. They just announced that it's coming out. We'll still wait on release date. We'll still wait on price and all that likely to be somewhere in the, you know, $60 range maybe. But uh, other than that, it's a cool little console coming out. So fair enough. Fair enough. Oh boy. And the wrap it up with my current favorite system right now, Nintendo switch apparently has uh, a nice little piece of hardware. Mel it's not a malfunction, but rather, I guess a backdoor feature where people can hack it. Always a way in <laughs> can hack into a Nintendo switch now without being able to implement some kind of patch. So this uh, this cannot be fixed by software, which means these Nintendo switches, the first generations that come out could potentially become a much higher thing in price because people can hack it. They can install homebrew and stuff, I'm sure, in mm -hmm. the near future. Now, they now, already actually have shown that they it's possible. They've already gotten to that point. Because oh, I wouldn't so, doubt it yeah. either. Uh, Three groups have discovered this simultaneously. I don't think they actually shared it. I'm guessing what happened was one announced, second one announced, and the third one, you know, said, oh, we found out this too. Yep, the yep. nice thing about the first two groups, you know, kudos to them. They apparently had already to told uh, the manufacturer that, you know, hey, there's a flaw with this setup here. People like us could break into it. And then they told Nintendo, you know, that was apparently like three to six months ago. And they have not changed it as far as we are aware. Mm -hmm. First two groups did that. Third group decided, hey, as soon as we can, we'll be developing a nice, cool product for people to buy so you can properly hack into it, too. It's like, oh, 
okay yeah there is a field for that kind of interest isn't there oh yeah and it's kind of crazy too how the hack works because like you said it's not a software thing it's actually a problem with the chipset they use in the switch itself you right. can use a paper clip and short out a connection in the right side of the Joy-Con connector where it connects to the console and it'll mm -hmm. put it in a USB recovery boot mode and then you can load up all the garbage on it. So Ooh. it's a paperclip that does it. <laughs> a paperclip. Wow. Oh, yeah. Like I've, I've done it before. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I, I've set up homebrew. You know, you throw the right game, you know, Super Smash Brothers in the Wii, if I remember correctly, you do a certain thing and all of a sudden, bam, you're suddenly able to backdoor all sorts of crap and you could, you know, emulate games and all that stuff maybe this is going to be the way if i wanted to play super nintendos on the uh the switch considering uh and i we didn't even throw this up as a thing nintendo online has been announced uh, with the plan all set up to go uh i'm trying to remember i believe for a single person it's like 20 bucks for a full yep. year 20 bucks for a year and there's a family plan that's 35 and it can be up to eight people so right oh my gosh just people were buzzing around and like discord channels like hey Give me money. I'll give you a super cheap version of this for the entire year. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just team like up. Why not? Yeah. yeah, it's stupid. Cheap, bottom, bottom line, if anybody's listening, please give me money so I can buy a switch. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, check out LR Warrior 11 at, you know, on Twitter. <laughs> Just give me a switch. Some pity toonies. And then I only take credit cards with the full name, address, number, and the CVV or the CCV, uh, Yes, and social security. Don't forget that. And Very social important. security yeah. and passport copies. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. Man, we just, just give them your entire life. Come on. Next. I am a Nigerian prince, by the way. In case <laughs> wow, I'm in royalty? What? No yes. way. Huh? Wow. I, I'm I, also I, a I, king I, and I, the I, prince. I had no idea. Jeez, um, oh. But yeah, no, that's what I've been saving for to get a Switch, purely yep. because when they announced, um, oh, the next mainline core RPG game for the Pokemon series is coming to the Switch, I'm like, I need it. I oh. need <laughs> it. I, I don't. I mean, the perk is, you know, the bonus will be that I'll get to play Breath of the Wild and all these other fun games. I really want to try Xenoblade Chronicles. Okay, this is me we're talking about now, Tyler. Excuse me. For I'm me, sorry, Pokemon. Like, I just, I just, I just want that. Like. All these other great games with the 3DS, I haven't bought a single one. But all all I have are the Pokemon games. <laughs> That's so a really, really funny. Just wanted for the Pokemon game. <laughs> you know what? Let me let me go ahead and raise your raise your hopes just a little bit because I 100% believe and I'm bored with the idea that that is going to be announced very very soon. A3, totally 100%. I would not I doubt it for before. a second. I, think I will. Before. I will eat this pen. I will take out the the ink. I will eat this pen piece by piece if they do not announce further very good details about the next Pokemon RPG coming out for the Nintendo Switch. Well, hold on I'm, one second, because I, I will I say I don't know this. if it'll be E3. Snap I think it'll be early end. first week of June. Yeah, you don't want to... They do their D Nintendo Directs, usually. You don't want to sign on to that, because they've oh, never announced crap. a Yeah, that's one. right. Nintendo does their own... Oh, crap. Yeah, so I think it's going to be first <laughs> week of June. That's when they made the announcement for the last gen, too. Well, yep, yep. I jumped right into that landmine. Okay, so that is uh, most of the news for this week. Uh, like I said, getting along in the tooth, let's wrap things up, talk about a couple of game releases coming out this week. People on every single system that you can think of, including the PC. Uh, you know, sorry, not the Vita. No offense. No, there's a Vita game there, I promise. Yeah, oh, there, there is a Vita game. I'm just saying for uh, Fox and Forest. Have you guys heard about this game? I not think so. I, I think strongly of uh, uh, Disney's Magical Adventure starring Mickey Mouse for the Super Nintendo. Oh, it's okay. a cool, simplified platformer game with uh, you know, a hack and slash style to it. So, you know, it's probably a good Super Nintendo game. And so when I see the idea of it coming out on the Switch, totally would buy into it. Mm, something to look forward to. 
on switch we got battle chasers night war which has been advertised like crazy still don't know what it's about yeah that's also on the ps4 xbox one and pc right now i believe Mm, okay and then there's garage a game i still don't know about it's weird how when games come out for the switch i have no idea what they are about because typically it's an s2s or a steam to switch kind of thing where you know it's been good on the steam and it doesn't need advertising or they just want to make more money so they you know port it over to the switch mm-hmm. and you know they pray the goodness that it gets sales switch has Arms. been very supportive of uh indies actually just so much inside. yeah arms is coming out <laughs> on the, the eShop <laughs> again uh, a demo version because apparently they realized that if they do two day long test punches as uh you know a way for us to try out the game people lose interest very quickly because you know it's like give them a chance to play the game anytime they want to so they did it also i would say too regarding this demo version you know it was really interesting because nintendo also learned from their mistake hopefully where maybe not a good idea to release splatoon 2 and then arms within two weeks of each other maybe not the best idea yeah maybe not (laughs) it stinks because arms is one of the few switch games that i sold i like i'm not a big guy on selling games Mm -hmm. and but I was strapped for cash and I realized uh, I'm looking at arms. I was like, I have no interest in playing you. It kind of tears me apart that, you know, I said that to a game I got so excited for. Like, I still hear the theme song to that thing. Oh, 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 yeah. It's it's so good. (laughs) I get so hyped into it, but I understand. I'm so emotionally tied to my uh, games. I I bought with me from home halfway across the world, my PS2, my (laughs) Xbox 360, along with all my PS2 games, my old school games. So, yep. And I mean, collects in my title for the for everything and all the social media so you can assume <laughs> you can see what i do with my game so oh boy uh hyrule warriors the definitive uh, edition you know it came out for the wii u and then the 3ds and now we're gonna see a nintendo switch version hooray i'm not gonna get it it breaks my heart as one of the biggest zelda fans i know in my community the not buy a zelda game but i've put in well over 100 hours into hyrule warriors i don't want to make that grind all over again for the same thing same. This is for the people who I've, there's an active like presence is an active effort to try and remind people that the Wii U never existed yeah. and try and make it not real. So yeah, like Donkey Kong, from, you know, Tropical Freeze. Yeah. You know? yeah, it was the first release of the game. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, the it, sequel it to the Wii game it just came out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, for the Switch, uh, Little Nightmares, uh, a good, simple game. Horrors. Have you guys ever heard or played it before? Yes, I've seen this actually at a few presentations. This was a very, very horror inspired, a cartoony and horror inspired. I could not like I played Inside and I've played. Oh, man. What is the other game? That's Limbo. T- Limbo. Yes. Yeah. Oh, game this game. Out. Yeah, oh, this, this, I don't do uh, I don't do horror games at all. Like I, I mean, couldn't it, get past the first elevator scene of Dead Space. I just shut down dude. the game really? immediately. Oh, I oh, couldn't. That was too much. Wussies. That's no, too on. much. I can't play Metro. Like I can't. It's just Nick, too much. I also played 30 minutes of Dead Space and uninstalled at the elevator scene. Me too. What the heck? So Little Nightmares makes me really uncomfortable. I've seen gameplay of it and <laughs> I'm not excited for that. I so i'm the only person out of the two or three of us that would be more than happy to play a horror game i mean i'll cry like, i'll do it but i'll cry i mean have I you guys not played resident it. evil 7 nope alien <laughs> isolation nope. till dawn uh yes yes I nope <laughs> i will there's there's a video game i don't know if it's out i don't know what it's called but it's where you're a blind woman and then you have to see via echolocation oh, yeah i remember seeing right that. um that is really cool i would play that but Anything else? No, thank you. Please. Hey, Nick, Hellblade Senua Sacrifice is coming out for the Xbox One. Oh, I really want to play that. Congratulations. A wonderful horror game. Just 
Yeah. Hellblade, as an aside, real quick, Hellblade is the best example. This actually really goes back to the article that about Square Enix and the hundred million dollar, you know, development games. Hellblade's a good example that those companies are doing something wrong because Hellblade was on a estimated budget of around six million and yeah. provided AAA visuals, uh, you know, contained experience of six hours for thirty dollars and was wildly successful for them. Oh um, my gosh. So my, do that more. Do that one more. One of my favorite games for the PlayStation 4 last year. Absolutely. And like I said, it came it's either coming or it came out for the Xbox One. So yep, yep. if and you see they the do drama, a fundraising thing where they matched whatever money they raised, where the developers so something like that. They did they did a charity thing. I could be very terribly yeah. wrong. I don't know, but that does make sense considering the theme of the game and it does deal with mental health. So I can right. see that being a thing 100%. I could totally see it too. Uh, PlayStation 4, we got Dragon's Crown Pro. Ooh, yeah. You know, I'm sure you, we got the. I entry. played it on Vita. <laughs> got it. Forgotten Anne, which is also coming out for the Xbox One. Uh, Horizon Chase Turbo, Little Witch Academia, The Chamber of Time, which is uh, like, yeah. uh, also on PC. <laughs> then finally, Omen Sight, which. I played this at PAX. Okay. Well, how was it? It was actually really cool. So Omen Sight was the one thing I really, really liked about it is if you played Bayonetta, you'll actually feel a bit at home here just specifically because I was talking to the devs and there's a witch time of sorts that activates when you dodge an attack. So this is an action RPG of some sorts. And yes. when you dodge, it activates a witch time. And I noticed that and I was to the devs. I was like, is this kind of like like witch time from Bayonetta? And they're like, that's exactly what we we're going for. You're like right on the nose. So, so close. So honestly, the combat in Omen Sight for being an indie game felt incredibly tight incredible oh, like, i can sell it on the combat right. alone yeah sell it on the combat alone the story if i remember correctly deals with you're trying to figure out the murder of a, a king or some uh, political figure and you meet up with a resistance group and you have to go through the stage and try and find out who did it but it's an action rpg of sorts so right. i was uh, definitely have my eyes on that one mostly for the combat experience but yeah okay fair enough nick is there any games coming out for the xbox one um state of decay 2 as far as i know that's the oh, big gee. one coming up um Which i keep hearing so much like buzz of sorts from certain groups like giant bomb keeps mentioning it like quietly in the corner like i want to play state more state of decay 2 and it's like they don't talk about it, it freaks me out it's like do we know what it's about it's the noodle incident. <laughs> the noodle um, incident. No, what's it called? So yeah, State of Decay is, I'm pretty sure it is it is a zombie game of some form. I never played the first one, but it what it is too, one of the big things is in terms of what Microsoft has been pushing recently, as you know, they've canceled a lot. All they really have going for them right now is Crackdown 3 mm -hmm. and State of Decay 2. And which whatever they Crackdown, Crackdown 3, which was supposed to come out a while back and yeah. was delayed and we still haven't gotten any information about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, Microsoft's having a lot of trouble putting an actual game out. So State of Decay is going to be the first one in a while, or besides Sea of Thieves, of course, because that was their other big game. But State of Decay is their other big, like, we have a game, you guys. It's, it's for us. Here you go. Please. That's why it's been pushed. That's why it's been pushed. But it's also the only, you know, thing, it's the only thing keeping Microsoft alive, in my opinion, is Gears of War and Halo. It's yeah. Sea of Thieves. Come on. Best pirate game all over. Sea of Thieves, arguably enough, maybe eventually it will be. Um, there were a lot. There was a lot of buzz at launch, but eventually we'll, there was adding a lot of uh, yeah. content. Loads adding of content. A ton of content by the end of the year, and they need right. to. They absolutely need to because they, they designed a bunch of pirate activities, but then forgot to make the game behind it. So, but right. at least as a developer studio, <laughs> they didn't lie to us about what we were gonna get. Yeah, the price yeah. is well, one thing. They didn't no man's sky us. They didn't no man's sky us. They told us, all right, this is what you can do. This is as far as you can like. That's it, and that was it. And they didn't tell us, they didn't lie to us, they didn't make any promises. The problem that people had, 
uh, or still have is the price tag. So until yep. there's more content, I can't Xbox justify smart. buying. Yeah. Yep. And if you want, you can always game uh, what's called Xbox Game Pass. It, which is for ten dollars yeah, a month. Yeah, you, know, you get all that access. So that's another way to grab it up. Do you should you do it for that game? Probably Man. not. But if you really there, want though. to try the game, you know, at least you can have a fourteen day you know trial on it. See what that's it's true. like. Yeah. yeah, we did that for the trial, me and my friends, um, and we had fun. It was like we'd play Fortnite for a couple of hours and then we'd go back to we'd go to Sea of Thieves for an hour or two just to like unwind, sail the seas. I was always the toxic one. I wanted to fight everybody all the time. I wanted <laughs> to ram my ship into everybody's ship because we had no loot and it would we wouldn't lose nothing, nothing. to lose. Nothing to lose. Everything to win. And but you know, they friend, also had friend. nothing to lose either. They you know, they'd just be sitting around like, man, you know, there's supposed to be a treasure here, and all of a sudden, you know, some guy's galleon would just ram <laughs> right into your sloop and say, hey, guys, where's your on ship? It's the dirtiest thing I've ever done, but I loved it. Wait, do what? <laughs> Spawn camping people on their ship. Oh, that's dirty. <laughs> That's dirty. Well, at uh, least there's nothing to lose because there's no progression system in Sea of Thieves. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, it's all cosmetics. So yeah. the only thing you have is a bitter aftertaste. For <laughs> the PC, Far Lone Sales, which kind of you know sounds familiar, like a certain game we were just talking about. Uh, world, I've never heard of Lone Sales. I've never heard of this game either. Worlds Adrift. I'm assuming you know games. Uh, these are games that you know rise above the slew of a hundred Steam games that probably came out this week, but. Worlds Adrift is an MMO sandbox. Oh boy. An Players MMO. can explore the game's vast open world of floating islands where all in-game objects have their Our own sword? and real-time physics. Oh, it's a, it's a sandbox, yeah. It, yeah. It's a creation game. Make the things. Make the cool uh, things. Oh boy, can't wait. Uh, I might have played that at PAX, actually. I put this as a joke, but since uh, we have a professional collector as a big fan of the Vita, I decided to put uh, these old long-dead doorstop systems. For the 3DS... <laughs> Shin Megami Tensei Strange Dur- Journey Redux which doesn't quite go up there to uh, the level of Kingdom Hearts titles and some 2.8 of- Final Chapter Prologue but they're getting close. <laughs> That's getting close. This is, yeah, this is a remake of a DS game, uh, Shin Megami Tensei Strange Journey. And this is the SMT series, which has been going on since the Super Nintendo. And it's the series that Persona spun off of. Right. So there's a lot going on there. It's Strange Journey is a great game. Uh, like, do not get me wrong. If you still have a 3DS and feel like buying games for it, even though it's, you know, some odd years old and we want it to die, then you can go ahead and pick up Strange Journey Redux because it's a great time. And on a side note for the 3DS, Dylan's Dead Heat breakers uh, that's right demo, i guess i would yeah. play that yeah that's something i would play no what is sarcasm i have no idea okay fine whatever Zero clue <laughs> out, of, that one out there out of respect to cam for the vita data had zombie warfare and explosion coming out ah, here's the thing about the vita i only care about the vita for the japanese games and indie games which ah, whatever they can do their okay. thing those can games we are, some, can we get some f's for respect please pay, pay respect yeah please yes. please no f's for respect because i went to my local GameStop and they finally took the vita games off the shelf i'm one of the biggest supporters of the, of the you know console and i love it to death arms of an angel. See, i don't i don't know how to feel because i never owned a psp and so I thought about really? it. Brief- I've never owned a PSP or a Look, Vita. No, so I've had. No one owns a Vita. <laughs> <laughs> I own a Vita. I still Good haven't owned it on yet. My consoles in my lifetime have been a PlayStation One, PlayStation Two, the Xbox 360, Xbox One, uh, Nintendo DS Lite, uh, 3DS XL, and now my PC. <sighs> wow. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, kind of feeling regretful now that we're going to potentially end this podcast with the Vita being the final topic kind of leaves a sour taste in my mouth. All right. <laughs> we need to do something else. 
We should talk about how good the Vita is. That's a good idea. Let's do that. Yeah, let's talk about how great the uh, the library is. Has anybody played Golden Abyss Uncharted? It was yes, I have. Fantastic. I, I never played it. <laughs> so it was one of those early Vita games, though, where they decided to use every gimmick the console had. So there was, you know, back touchscreen, all that sort of good stuff going on. So yeah. It was, uh, but it was an Uncharted game. You know, if you liked Uncharted, it was definitely the full experience because the Vita was amazing in the fact that even coming out back then, it provided between like PS2 and PS3 level visuals. So uh, great stuff there. But I'm in it mainly for the Japanese games. West developers fell flat on providing support to the console. But And that is your Vita hour. So we're going to wrap it up over here. <laughs> in the future, if you want to contact us with questions, comments, concerns, or praises, and complain if you want good luck with that if you want a response though you can email us at casualmasterquest at gmail.com or hit us up on twitter at masterquestpod I, I swear nick i tried to put casual master quest it was too big of a word so i just put masterquestpod that's how that works I, I love you all podcasts and gaming can be found on our youtube channel which we will link on our twitter unfortunately because we don't have 100 subscribers yet or we haven't passed so many days we can't have a custom link yet we yep. will don't worry, we will. We will. It's coming. There's we also going to be cameras coming, at least from my end too, because I don't want you oh, to yeah. be alone on there. I don't want to leave you alone like that. Let's say I like I shaved my beard. I I feel naked out here. I'm not at my prettiest. <laughs> I'm really feeling self conscious. I don't want us to be the face of Casual Master Quest. I I, I need I, I need our Mount Rushmore over here. I need my cam in my neck here. Yep. Uh, soon enough, though, I can find myself, and so can you, on Twitter at two times Tyler. Uh, you know, it's all letters, no spaces. Nick, where can we find your work at? Um, primarily, I'm on Twitter at LRWarrior11. Okay. Um, and I'm also on Mixer at Mixer.com forward slash LRWarrior11. Um, yeah. I do want to point out that. Go ahead. I was um, going to say, when do you stream? Um, right now, like super sporadically um, right. or like really random just because like I've got a six week intensive course. But mm -hmm. after that, I want to get at least two or three days like you know, set in stone and for a few hours each. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Uh, so for Nick, LR Warrior 11, that's all one word. Cam, yes. what about you, baby? What, where, are you, where can we find your work at? Ooh, thank you. You can find me over at Cam Collects on Twitter. That's one word. Should be easy to spell. C-A-M and then Collects. You can find me also there on twitch.tv slash Cam Collects. Right now, I stream Monday nights as well as Saturday morning. The Saturday morning slot's at 9 a.m. The Monday night slot is either going to be 7 or 8. I'm working on a summer stream schedule, but I'm, what I'm doing right now on Saturdays is going through the NES library and playing the biggest games I never played. So it's me playing for the first time. Very prolific games. It's That is not family-friendly just a not safe for work notice there not a family friendly stream it's a wild west out there it's a wild west out there it's even says welcome to the badlands on my uh, tagline there monday Fair nights enough. rotating whatever i want i think tomorrow actually or i sh shouldn't date us but on monday i'm probably going to be starting with monster hunter world special events i think so that's gonna be whatever i want on monday but that's where you can find me and yeah feel free to follow me dm me ask me any questions i love talking about consoles and all that so hit me up yeah, your other podcast. You want to give it a quick plug in? Yeah, sure. I also uh, I run and actually produce another podcast and I'm doing a bit of ooh, I'm doing a bit of double dipping, but my friends and I do a similar news related podcast. A lot of numbers, a lot of industry analysis with heavy banter. It's very explicit and that's over at Into the Video Game and you can find that on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, all the fun places. We have a website over intothevideogame.libsyn.com as well and that's all my spots. Man, uh, this is our first episode, as everybody is aware. So that is going to probably be the reason why we're a little bit longer than the hour I was expecting. However, you know, hour 15 minutes, hour 20 minutes, not that bad. 
not that bad. Not that bad. Not that bad. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. I think I had a heck of a time. Wow. Uh, this was actually a lot more fun than I was expecting. I'm so used to the, the pressure and the professionalism, but we've been kind of chill, just chatting away, having a good time. Yeah, you and just got to let it loose, you know, let it all out. Just let it hang. Gosh darn it, it was great. Gosh darn it, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Thank you guys for listening to this. I hope you guys have yourselves a great day. And don't forget the never stop the grind. See you next week, folks. Bye-bye. Be safe. Love you. Love you too. We'd like to know exactly where we're at. That's and right. We are live. How's it going, guys? Oh, beautiful. Let's see. Question is, where are we live at? That's concerning. <laughs> oh, no. Could be a couple different places. You got YouTube oh, over no. here. You we got. Are, oh. We're officially live. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, we're live everywhere. We did it, guys. Yeah, we made it. We yeah, are. We, step one. Hello, people of the internet. No, I'm just. Okay. Man. <laughs> I didn't know if it would work or not. I'm nervous. Let's see. Now the question is, now I got two pop-up windows for the chat. That's not a good sign. Let's see. Get rid of that. Yeah, it's anyone oh. tuning in. We're just trying to figure some things out right now. Get everything started, all set, and then good to go. All right. I am ready to roll whenever you guys are. Are you ready to do this? Yeah, I'll set on my end. Sure. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare yourself for the casual qu- master quest. <clears throat> Strapped in. Let's do it. <laughs>